Hey, this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerials Podcast, part of the Digitant Podcast Network. How's it going, guys? Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, if you go to the show notes, uh, I'm coming out with Roll It Out Soon, which is going to be our live virtual 60-minute rolling classes, self-myofascia release with balls, rollers, and guided with our aerial imbalances in mind. Uh, it took what I know about body work and my aerial bodies, all those around me as well, I infused it all together. Um, that is going to come very soon. All right, today, this is Asia LaViolette. She is Canadian. She's a speech therapist, child speech therapist. And actually, I'm going to do this in two parts because we talk about her and we also talk about um, her job and and what she knows so so much about when it comes to uh, child speech patterns. So today we are going to talk about her pregnancy, her first pregnancy, and how hard it was to switch expectations while laboring because she never thought she would have a emergency C-section, but that is what she ended up with. She's also eight months pregnant currently. And uh, yeah, let's learn a little bit about Asia. Let's get started. What's your full name? Yeah, my, my Facebook name is not my real name. My name is Asia. Ah! Uh, um and my last name is laviolette asia laviolette that's beautiful thank you i love it and you're a childhood speech pathologist is that you i am oh my goodness yeah wow uh so do you work with kids what ages um infants to like teenagers yeah. <laughs> okay. And you work with them um, if they have disabilities or. Yeah. Or, or not just, or um, speech or language delays, anything like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that, but we're going to do a little bit of a combo today with talking about you as a arrow mama. And then, and then also getting to that. Cause I have a Perfect. almost three-year-old and I have tons of questions about that oh, just personally. Um Okay, Asia, just just uh, do a little brief um, introduction when it comes to who you are, what you do, uh, your aerial practice, your family, where you live. Where are you at? I live in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Oh, okay, it's cool. A, yeah, it's uh, about an hour outside of Toronto. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, you, um, one, two, three, four, five kids. <laughs> I have one and I'm currently eight months pregnant with my second. (gasps) You totally hide that very well on Zoom. Could never have guessed. Here, I'll show you. Oh, (laughs) you are how many? How, how, how far along? Eight months. Oh my God. You're almost there. I know. I'm, I've got like six weeks left. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so let me start there. Let me start there. Um, okay. How's this pregnancy been going for you? Really, really amazing. I'm super lucky. Okay. Uh, just, I mean, now that I'm this close to the end, I am exhausted and I am uncomfortable. Okay. But up until now, I've had an amazing pregnancy. I've had like almost no symptoms, no nausea, no fatigue. I've been doing all the things I normally do. It's been really, really nice. And now just now, like the past couple of weeks, I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> I feel pregnant. Now, <laughs> now you feel pregnant. Long. Okay. Yeah, it's taken this long to feel pregnant. Were you, uh, and, and your aerial practice, how, how long have you been doing aerial? Um, I've been doing it. I started about eight years ago, but I wasn't that serious. It took me a couple years to get seriously into it and to get to, um, to performance level. Okay. Yeah. And, and, um, sorry, now I'm jumping around. So okay. how, 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 how old is your first? He's two and a half. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. You went bang, bang. So was that planned? <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't think it would happen so quickly the okay. second time. Okay. Like I, I was like, yeah, yes, I want a second, but do I want it right now? And then I was like, well, and my husband was like, yeah, we don't want them too far apart. So I was like, okay, I guess we can, uh, you know, we'll stop preventing and we'll see what happens. And immediately I was pregnant again. And I was like, okay, great. But I wish it take a little <laughs> You know, I know a lot of women like you that are doing it like that. And I, I, I give it to you guys because I can't imagine right now having her and then also being pregnant. Did you, were you able to go back to your practice in between or no? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky. I, um, well, my son was born May 4th, 2020. Okay. So Right at the beginning of the pandemic when everything was super scary, um, which is, that's a whole other story. But um, I basically, I only stopped practicing because the studio had to shut down in March um, and we had to stay at home. And I didn't at the time have any equipment at home. Um, So I was like, I guess I was close to eight months pregnant when I stopped practicing completely with him. Okay, okay. And then I went back to it like super gradually, but I did start going back to practice um, at I think like six or seven weeks postpartum. Okay. But I just started with super simple stuff like climbs and like beats on the trapeze. And, and then I just like built it up back up from there. So no, yeah. no, no C-section on that first one. I'm assuming. I did have a C-section. You did. I did. Yes. Wow. And you were still able to start back up six weeks later without any issues, but you were going slow. Did you have a at home yeah. at home rig by then? I, I got one that summer. <laughs> so, the, so I, yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah. He was born in May. So I was going to the studio and practicing at home. Okay. Um, like that summer after he was born. Um, and yeah, with the C-section. So I did, I definitely had pain when I was practicing, but it wasn't, it was mild. And I also had pain anyways, like when I wasn't doing anything physical. Um, and I used the trapeze to like bust up the scar tissue. Like I was, I would oh, do yeah. hip circles, <laughs> hip circles on the scar and it was so painful, but I felt like it was doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, by the way, I I never do hip circles for any reason. Oh, really? Okay. But I'm mostly a a, a soft apparatus person. I think that's okay. I think that's sure. like a skinny trapeze bar and me do not get along even normally. So, uh, all you people who love doing uh hip circles and arm circles and stuff on Lyra yeah. and trapeze. Bleh. But 
I, that's, that's really impressive. Okay. Yeah. And even for me, like my scar, I really feel like, um, was healed very well. Well, I mean, after it healed, like the scar tissue, like it's great. It glides. Cause I'm always doing hammock. Okay. Yeah. And all of that, like that, that spot, like right underneath the hips, it gets, mm-hmm. it gets beat up all the time. So yes. Yeah. Do you have any, do you still have any numbness? Cause I still have like a bit of numbness. Well, you know, uh, one of my friends who is on the podcast twice, her name's Kim Borelli Simonetti. She okay. lives here in LA. She had numbness to the point where when she came home from the hospital, she felt no pain because oh. she had all numbness. I never had any of that. I felt everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just have, it's not completely numb. It's just like this area between below my belly button and above the scar. Yeah. Where it just doesn't quite feel right. Like it feels like a, like a stranger is touching me. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, I, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I um, broke my leg 10 years ago and like the top of my foot has that same feeling. Like if, if I scratch it, there's a little bit of pins and needles. Yeah a little bit I I feel like it it's like it's like those nerve endings are still trying to come back or something so that's probably what it is but uh okay wow so you actually like pandemic practiced through your entire first pregnancy how to was a c-section an emergency for the first yes yes uh tell me about that Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you want the whole thing from the beginning? Um, just, the- just think of it as there are women from all over the world who might be listening, who may be pregnant. Just, you know, they're trying to compare. This is the only way we can compare experiences and how that might be for somebody else. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, so I was, I was super into, um, doing things naturally. I had a midwife. I was going to give birth vaginally. I was going to only use an epidural if I absolutely needed one. Um, and I even like, so because it was the pandemic, my husband and I couldn't do a real prenatal class. So we did this like online one, um, where you just watch videos and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I skipped over the C-section part because I thought, well, I'm not having one. So I don't need to. I I love that. (laughs) That was a huge mistake. Um, So I went, I was like a couple days over my due date and everything was fine. And then my water broke. Um, And it was a really obvious, like I woke up in the morning and my pants were soaked. Yeah. Yeah. My my water was broken. Um, And that sort of, when that happens, that sets the clock. Yes. Okay. So they, Oh, and I should also backtrack a little bit that at this point I had an OB and my midwife had been, um, delegate or she had been made a support person because I had to have an OB because I had this strange heart issue that happened. It's called a supraventricular tachycardia. The baby, and it's when the baby or you me, oh. but it was pregnancy related. Okay. Um, when I was 14 weeks pregnant, I, um, I had a, a racing heart and it was palpitating super, super fast. 
Um, and it didn't go away for a couple hours. So I ended up going, then I started getting dizzy and feeling very strange. And I went to the hospital and they had to, um, inject me with a drug that reset my heart. Uh, um, yeah, to normal, um, dramatic. Yeah, it was very dramatic, but it, it wasn't, it didn't have any lasting consequences. And what they think is that it was a reaction to the extra blood volume going through my body from pregnancy. I see. Okay. And it, yeah, I didn't have to do anything differently because it's not related to exercising or anything like that. Um, it was kind of like a fluky thing. So, and it's never happened again and it probably never will, but I just have to be monitored for it when I'm pregnant. Okay. So, but because it happened in my last pregnancy, then they said you have to have an OB. Um, and your midwife is no longer really in charge, but she can be there as like a support person. Then, <laughs> then because it was COVID, they were like, well, your midwife can only come when you're pushing because she can be like responsible for the baby, but she's not responsible for you. It was just really strange red tape and policies. Okay. Um, at that time. And then they also told me, um, at that same appointment, be prepared that your husband won't be able to even come at all. So I, yeah, I, I lost it. I, I burst into tears and I was kind of like, inconsolable and I think I really scared that this was at the hospital um but then he was allowed so he was allowed in the end um okay back to the part where yeah so I woke up and my water had broken um called the midwife and and the OB and they said do you want to come to the hospital now and um, get induced. And I said, no. So I basically waited as long as possible. Um, and then they said, you have to come in now, um, and get induced. So I, I think this was about a day later. Okay. I went okay. to the hospital, um, and they gave me Pitocin, which started the labor. Right. So I wasn't up until that point, I had started feeling super tiny contractions. So maybe I was starting to go into labor on my own, but they because of the amount of time that had lapsed between my water breaking and that point in time, they just, they needed me to get into labor and get the baby out. Um, so then I was in labor for a while. Um, and it, it did progress and I did end up dilating fully. And then they let my midwife come in. Um, and I started to push and, when I was pushing, I could tell that the baby was nowhere near where it's supposed to come out. Like okay. I, I couldn't feel any pressure. I didn't feel anything. Like he was still real high up okay. in the birth canal. And um, they were saying, yeah, he's not really descending. And every time you push, his heart rate is going down and it's not recovering well. So they, they, did, they did this thing for a while where they would like, ease off on the Pitocin to give his heart a chance to, to relax a little bit and have less stress, but then my labor would stop. So then they'd have to amp up the Pitocin again. And then that would put stress on him. Um, and they didn't like what his heart rate was doing. So eventually after going back and forth for a while and letting me push, but I feel like they were kind of like humoring me, letting me push. Nothing was, nothing was happening. He wasn't even there. Um, then eventually they said, 
um, you have to have a, a C-section right now. Like we can't do this anymore and it's an emergency. Um, and that was... Yeah. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Say hi, Bean. Hi. Hi. Say hi, Asia. Hi. How are you? She has a purple tongue because she was allowed. Oh, it's really purple to have a popsicle. She had a popsicle because Mama has to record. <laughs> Amazing. I know it's a good reason to get a popsicle, right? Yes. Um, so how did you feel? Were you like, okay, it has to happen because the baby needs I to was, come out? I was devastated. Aww. I was absolutely devastated when they said I had to have a C-section. It was, I had never, this was a huge mistake on my part, but I had never considered the possibility. I just thought everything's fine. I have a perfectly good birth canal. I'm healthy. The baby's healthy. I'm just going to deliver it. And then to be, to not be able to do that was so hard for me. Um, and I cried. <laughs> and, the, and then everyone gets into, everyone at the hospital gets into like super serious mode. Yeah. And every, there's like eight people come in the room and they're doing all these things and it's happening so fast and I'm upset and no one cares. And there's no time to, to process it and to like, come to terms with it and the next thing you know I the next thing I know I'm I'm naked on an operating table I'm like okay <laughs> um so yeah that was not a good experience um and then I had the c-section and it I I think I was having a reaction to the drugs because I kept um throwing up and after he was born they would they take the baby and they put it beside your head, right? Like when, cause you're lying down and you can't move. And then I kept being like, oh, you got to take him away. I'm going to puke. And then they'd take the baby away and then they'd put a tray beside my head and I'd puke in the tray. So they were, they were switching back and forth between a baby and a puke tray and a baby and a puke tray. <laughs> that was not the um, best. <laughs> not the best. <laughs> but, um, he was born and he was fine and I, I was fine. And, um, I've, you know, I've come to terms with the C-section and I'm trying for a VBAC this time, but I am prepared that there's a chance that it might not happen the way I want it to. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I think it's so common <laughs> because a C-section, I had a C-section, but we knew that I might need it because I had a low-lying placenta. So that was... Yes, I listened to your story. Oh, <laughs> thanks. So I think it is very different when you get to wrap your head around it mm-hmm. previous. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, switching what your expectations are. I mean, so many women, so many of my friends just like had such a traumatic birth because they mentally it was just such a tough thing to just like switch to what was happening to what was happening and and it's very very common huh yes yeah so I'm so sorry about that thank you I know it's so common and the same thing happened to my mother and she's told me about my birth story like many many times over the years and about how she was devastated to have a c-section and then and but somehow like that didn't help at all like when it actually happened to me it was yeah 
Was it because you didn't want major abdominal surgery or was it more because you wanted the experience of doing a vaginal birth and just having natural birth? Was it one or the other? Uh, I was definitely afraid to have surgery, but I was also, I had done it um, a lot of reading about natural births and I'm, I'm not sure. So I guess just when you read about natural births and what the people say is, how much better it is for the baby to have a natural birth, Mm -hmm. how like if you have a C-section, your baby is more likely to, you know, have attachment difficulties, have breastfeeding difficulties, have like this and that and this. And that is all true, but um, correlation does not equal causality. So if you have to have a C-section, you're already in that situation where, your baby is more likely to have difficulties with certain things, I think. So I, I, I think I, I know that now, but looking back, I was just thinking like, oh no, now I'm setting him up for all these problems because I couldn't do it vaginally. Now that your kid is two and a half, do you feel yeah. like that's yeah. true? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. That's, that's bullshit. <laughs> I, I, he's totally fine and like so many people have c-sections and the babies are totally fine and it doesn't even matter but I was really intense about it at the time and I had read all this intense stuff about how bad it is for the baby to be born by c-section but it's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> so I have a very different like my my personal thing is like get this baby out of me however you need yeah. to personally and um I don't know. Each kid is so different too. It's like, sometimes I feel like it's just so random. Like my, my sister and my, my niece, hold on one second. <coughs> They're very, very careful about allergens and like her diet and this and that. So they wouldn't, you know, thinking that it, it would really help in the future. She's allergic to a good many things. Mm-hmm. Me and my partner, I also don't, you know, I pick my battles because he's the guy who comes home, eats like chicken fingers and that's it, you know, (laughs) and then like a bag of Cheetos. Yeah. And so she kind of eats something. She eats what I cook. She eats what he gives her. She has popsicles at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then she has like, uh, really like home-cooked like noodle soup at, at for dinner and then has a piece of cake you know right. what I'm saying like and she has like no issues <laughs> you know it's well-rounded you know what I'm saying like yeah. like my sister and 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 her family they just like they're just very very mindful about these and a lot of families are and then she ended up with like a dairy allergy and this and a peanut allergy and all this stuff and it just seems random it seems like yeah, totally. It just seems totally random, and um, <laughs> who knows? Maybe Bean will have other things later, but right now she's got, like, a glorious digestive system, works way better than mine. You know, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you really cannot control everything, and you have to let that go. And it is like kind of genetics and luck of the draw with stuff like that, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then just, you know, the personality of your kid. Um, 
I'm really curious to see uh, how your second kid's personality is going to be compared to the first. How's how's your son's personality? What's what's he like? He is. Um, he's really. He's very. How do I describe it? He's. I guess he's like he's super strong willed. Mm, okay. Personality. He's. He wants to do what he wants to do. He wants to do it by himself, but he wants to be there, but not doing it for him. <laughs> um, he's very, he's very curious and he's physically adventurous. Like he definitely takes after me, like climbing, running, jumping, all of that. He's, he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is amazing. Okay, does was he a good sleeper My at all? Dad don't talk. No, <laughs> no, not at all. No, he's. I mean, he's. You know what? I think he's. Um, I think he's normal. I didn't sleep train him, so he's kind of like it is what it is. Um, he still wakes up once in the night, and he's two and a half. But I think I think that's pretty normal. It's not terrible. I know people who are up a lot more with their kids and for longer periods of time. So it's all right. He's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you have had a great pregnancy. You're trying for a VBAC. Are you, now that we're more, more so free from the pandemic, have you decided on a different, um, are you still doing a hospital? I still am doing the hospital because I still am thinking like I'll probably have an epidural. Um, I don't want to like commit to anything really one way or another. I want to see what happens, but, um, I'll, I'll probably get an epidural. And I also do have to have a hospital birth because of the heart issue that happened, even though it hasn't happened again. Um, I do have to be in the hospital, but this time I get to just have a midwife. I don't have to have an OB. Okay. Um, there's no risk that my husband will be allowed. Right. Oh my God. That was just such a such a time in our lives like everything was so up in the air and no one knew what this virus was and I I already had a six month old by the or five month old by the time lockdown happened so I had other challenges but I, I definitely am glad she was out by then because I would not have wanted to do that without my without my you know baby daddy there so yeah. stressful. Yeah. And, and some people did have to do that in other places. Like that just seems barbaric to me. Like, uh, here you go. Like give birth by yourself. <laughs> yeah. In a very <laughs> sterile environment with a mask yeah. on. Um, yeah. I, I also had one of my guests uh, slash friends who had to go through a loss, but then couldn't be with her husband in the hospital oh when they were doing the, um, is it called a DNC? Yeah. 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 Um, awful. Totally. I, I don't, I don't like to uh, plan these conversations because I like just where they go. So being a Canadian, you are Canadian or you're, or you just live there. Yeah. South of the border there. Does that, does the American, do the Americans just sound crazy to you? Just bananas. <laughs> Do we just sound like can I, we're can we're I, completely off our rockers? Can I? Uh, can I? Some of the time, yes. Um, <laughs> I think I we also, do. But I also do have 
American friends and I know really great American people. So I know that what I'm seeing on the news is not representative of every American. <laughs> I mean, legit, I'd be like, if I were them, I would build a wall <laughs> on their southern border to keep out the crazies. No, it, it um, the politics here are just so bananas and I'm obsessed. Yeah. Like I'm a political junkie too. And I, okay. I listen to my podcast and I'm just mad all the time, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, I guess like the, the reproductive health stuff is like, I, when I woke up and saw what was happening on, on my phone, I was like, is this real? This is, yeah. is this is really happening. I can't, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. Like I couldn't believe it. I didn't, it didn't seem like something that could really happen. Yeah. And I live in California. So my, my, my state has more, um, progressive laws, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if the Republicans take Congress and the Senate, they want to complete oh in the presidency they you know they want to completely yeah. ban abortion in in the united states and the <laughs> these legislators like it's such it's health care abortion is health care and, yeah. and a lot of women are going to die if they can't have access to these to these things and um i actually have a uh resident ob who comes on the podcast every once in a while and she's this firecracker woman who who actually practices in my hometown and i asked her to come and talk about it and she said i'm not emotionally prepared for that right now like she's so wow and i was like totally understandable yeah it almost, even though I'm, I'm not American, it, it hurt me as a woman Yeah, just to know that that's what people in, uh, in our next door neighboring country think about women. Like I, it was hard not to take it personally, even yeah. though I'm not even American. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see, we're going to see what happens for the midterms, which are only in about a month and a half, six weeks to mm-hmm. see uh, where, where people really stand because we only really find out after people vote. Um, right. In Kansas, in one of our very red states, it got, you know, women showed up for that. So we're, we're going to we're gonna see, but it is really uh, relevant. Sorry? That's a great sign. <laughs> it is a great sign. That's po- very positive. It is, it, is, it is a great sign, and we're going to see where this whole thing goes and you know you being pregnant right now and in you know for for me I don't plan to have any more children and the women who are much older than me it still affects your families you know like you could have a sister or a cousin or a somebody die from not being able to have these life-saving surgeries so anyways I'm I'm pissed and (laughs) I'm pissed off yeah it made me so I don't know the the sex of this baby um, and when I heard that news, it made me hope that this baby is not a girl. Oh my God. That is, that is a very real <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, because if, if the United States can think like that and act like that, what kind of world is this for girls? Well, and that's, and that's the, the awful, the awful truth of matter is that the United States really is an example for the rest of the world. It always has been. But what's really, really, really frustrating is that that opinion is such a minority in this country. It's not a majority opinion. It's, it's like this faction of 
basically white men and people that are brainwashed by them to, (laughs) to affect the majority, you know, it's minority Mm -hmm. rule and it, we have, we have terrible laws. Like, I don't know if you know a lot about the way our voting system is, but the electoral college, like just means basically that my vote here in California is like a fraction comparatively to a vote in Kansas. Really? Because oh, I have no idea. Because what happens is, is that, um, you know, for example, every state has two senators, regardless of this, of the population. Okay. So my representative in California represents millions and millions and millions of people. Whereas like Kansas, for example, their senator represents probably 23 times less people. I don't know if that makes any sense. Wow, that makes sense. That's wild. I did did not know that. Yeah, that's (laughs) why the Senate is like 50-50 and we can't get anything passed right now. But it's not representative to the population. It is, I'm like a political science major too. So like, I get a little, like I get really, (laughs) I get really, really mad. But, and they say we're all coastal elites, but I'm on the coast and I might be elitist, but it's still, it's still a good opinion to have. Anyways, wow, I really went down. I Sometimes I go down that rabbit hole and I'm like, okay, pull yourself back, Carrie, pull it back. So, yeah um you don't know the sex so for both did you decide not to find out I did except with my son I accidentally found out um because um I I forget what uh how many weeks I was but I had an ultrasound and they um sent me a bunch of pictures by email this time instead of just printing off the little Ah. printout phone and when they sent it to my email at the top, they had all this information and it said, wants to know sex? Yes. Male. <laughs> and I was like, I, lo- I had my phone out and I was looking at it and I, my husband was beside me. And I was like, oh, Dave, we've got the ultrasound pictures. And I opened the email and I started looking and I saw that and I threw my phone <laughs> on the ground. He was like, what? And I was like, oh, I know what it is. They, they put the sex there and, and he, and I didn't say anything. And he's like, well, you have to tell me now. <laughs> so I was like, it's a boy. <laughs> um, and then, and then after that, I still, I didn't want to tell anybody else. Okay. Um, so, which was really, really hard. I ended up telling my sister-in-law because she lives in Calgary, which is many hours away. <laughs> so I figured that was okay. But then my husband did end up telling like his brother and a couple of close friends. So some people knew, but I was still pretending to my family and friends that we didn't know. Okay, Asia, you're cracking me up. Okay, this whole interview, you're cracking me up. Tell me okay. why? Why was it? Uh, why was it very important to you? Or why is it still very important to you? On the on the one the one side of it is. I genuinely just like surprises. Okay, awesome. Also, even if I couldn't be surprised by my son's birth, I would. I wanted other people to be surprised. Okay, I love it. And, and then on the other hand is that I don't want to do anything differently. I don't want to be influenced by the baby's sex, and I and I don't want other people to be influenced by it either. Like, like buying pink want, pink jammies. You don't exactly. want that, right? Okay. Yeah, I don't want to get 
if I found out that this was a girl, I don't want to get a whole bunch of pink frilly dresses as gifts. <laughs> um, and I also got it. Want, like, I feel like there, there really are different expectations and different influences that surround even a little tiny baby based on their sex. And I just, you wanted to, you wanted to put that. that, put that off as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't avoid that, but at least I can avoid it during the pregnancy by not knowing. <laughs> I, I feel you. I mean, it's, it's one of these things where, uh, I was talking to one of my guests we were talking about the whole pronouns thing and letting people, letting people decide who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the industry does not help that. I even try when I go to the park to, to call a child they or them because I don't want yeah. to put it on them. Uh, but yeah, society does it. But on the flip side, I have a girl and like what I'm wearing today is very representative of my clothes. Like I yeah. love black, like I wear black, gray and navy blue pretty much all the time. Oh, too. <laughs> <laughs> so like- you know, like when you go shopping, you, you just end up buying stuff that you would end up buying. So like, she's got a bunch of like gray hoodies and like black little bike shorts. And when I put her in that stuff, people aren't sure if she's a boy or a girl sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, I feel like I don't want to have that conversation. So then I would throw in a, like a pink thing just not to have that conversation with people or for them to be like, oh, he's so cute. Like, I didn't want to do that to her. So, like, I kind of went the other way. Or yeah. put, like, she loves this. She has a headband that's a bow, and she loves it. And so I put it on her. Anyways, long story short, I don't know anything. You know, like, <laughs> long story short, I have no idea, and I'm just going to go with it. And Yeah, yeah. so I had a, I, I've had a super similar experience with my son. Um because he's kind of, I don't know, I guess he's kind of pretty and I don't keep his hair super short. Like I actually had it really long okay, for a while. And now he does have like a, like a boy haircut, but it's still kind of long. Um, and, and I dress him in, you know, like I'm attracted to like more neutral colors and like, you know, black and blue and beige. So nothing I put him in like screams boy. Actually, he's wearing purple today because that's, I love purple. <laughs> but um, we do, I do still get, even with his short haircut, um, people saying like, oh, she's so cute. Or how old is she? Or at the park, like, wait for the girl to go down the slide. And I just, I just don't correct them. Okay. I just, I just leave it. And um, I'm sure like, I don't want it to bother him as he gets older. So like, if it does, then he can maybe say something. Yeah, you know? that's a good, that's like, a good way. Boy. That's kind of how I've approached it. And um, sometimes people, they'll then hear me, because I call him little boy a lot. <laughs> so then they, they hear me refer to him as a boy and they're like, oh, I'm so, so sorry. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, no, I don't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. But I find people, uh, people are way more worried about misgendering my child than like I am about someone misgendering my child like I don't really care also because is he really being misgendered because he's two does he really know that he's a boy I don't know yeah and that's the and that's the that's the whole thing like we're we're we don't get to say 
who they are. They get to say who they are and they'll figure it out over time. Um, Oh, this is so, this was such a nice little rabbit hole. We went down, we went, we went down like a bunch of different, a bunch of different ones. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Asia. And thank you, my listeners for tuning in and ASL Watkins sound engineer. Uh, if you go to the show notes again, roll it out is coming very soon. Live virtual <laughs> high bean 60 minute uh, rolling classes. We'll actually get to see each other face to face on Zoom. So I'm really looking forward to actually like interacting with you guys a little bit more actual in real life, not just um, not just my voice into your podcasts. And uh, yeah, please honor me with a five star rating and a review where you get your podcasts. Check out Greener Grass. I will leave a show note link for you there. It's the other podcast that I do. Where we look at people's ordinary life, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And uh, yeah, we're part of the Digitant Podcast Network. I will see you guys next time over and out. This is the Expecting RLs podcast.